glad to be alive. Six foot above the soil. Praise God in me. You are in the house of God. Chapter 4 and verse 26. And whereas they commanded to leave us the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Lord, every praise, every form of worship will be yours and must be yours. Because you know there's no other. Thank you for this moment. Bless this message right now. We shall give you all the praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be seated. We're living in the close of time. This is the last time. Not the last days, but the last time. And God never leaves self without a weakness. God does not judge without first allowing people to have access to his word. That's how God operates. Where there is no law, there is no transgression. There's no transgression. And the book of Daniel, although many people don't read him today and, and look at it, it's a book that teaches us so much in admonition and here for our learning about really where the power base lies. When you go to a man's house, the first thing you try to find out who is the strong man of that house. You try to find who makes the decision in that house. If you're a good salesperson, you don't waste time talking to the secretary. Because she's not the decision maker. She's just a buffer. But you want to talk to the decision maker. Because that's the one that can make the buck roll or say, no so. Amen. And God gave us the book of Daniel. I'm not sure if you realize what God's trying to teach us here about kings and governments. But God put this book right here for people like me and you in these close of time to read it and to know what we're dealing with. The book of Daniel came into existence all because... <coughs> Israel went awry and went strayed from God. And God said, judgment must begin always at his house. All the nations were doing their atrocities and wickedness, and God didn't do a thing. But then Israel joined the group, and Israel was doing just like they did. And for God to be fair and just, God began to judge Israel first. And when you read the book of Jeremiah, it's a book where God gave this Jeremiah the prophet a job description to go and pull down, root up, tear down, and build back up. That's quite a job to try to, one man, to face kingdoms, nations, and pull them down, root them up, and build up something different. That's quite a job to give one man who has no army, no soldier, no, no shield, just the word of God. But he did. <coughs> they, they did kill him eventually. They, they murdered him. But he did preach the word. And everything he said was written down for us to read. And one thing God did was God totally ignored Egypt as a power and the Syrian history. And God 
allowed Daniel, who never did sin, who he called a good fig in a basket of good and bad figs, to be taken from their homeland into a strange land called Iraq today, Babylon yesterday, and say, you stay there, because I want you to have access to the king. I want you to be in a position where you can tell the king what I have to say, because I'm going to do some strange work around here. Now, Daniel, I have no idea what God's trying to do with him, but here he is in Babylon, young lad, maybe 17 years old, and he's a good living boy, Jewish boy doing the will of God. He's a good thing, nothing wrong with his life, but he's still suffering problems with others, and so God stuck him there. Now, when you read the first five chapters, God wanting to teach Babylonian king whom he raised up to be the head of all Gentile system. When you look at that chart, that big head of gold you're looking at, that is a totalitarian representation of a Gentile world. Not Obama, not Putin, not Khrushchev, not Kennedy. That's the man that God raised up. And said, you in my kingdom, in my eyes, will be the head of all nations. And everything after you is inferior. Now, Nebuchadnezzar does not know God. But God in Jeremiah 25 and verse 9, 79, called him my servant. That's a strange thing when God called a wicked man a servant. <laughs> you do my will. In other words, everything Nebuchadnezzar is about to accomplish, God said, I'm going to use him to do some things that I want done to the entire world. I raise him up to do these things. And I'm going to give him power and make him invincible that no nation can stand before him. When you read Jeremiah and his prophetic word come to pass, he says, every nation under heaven must obey Nebuchadnezzar. Because he's my servant. Now, God's working on end-time prophecy through this man. But here's the thing. Nebuchadnezzar does not know where the power is coming from. Nebuchadnezzar thought his own sword, his political savvy, brought him to prominence and glory and excellence. But behind the scene was the almighty God. Raising him up for a purpose. And God prospered him. Every war he fought, he won. Everything he, and God, God described it. He says, you could kill at will. You could make live. Whatever you said, that was law. Because God made it happen. If God is on your team, I don't care what the devil does. You can't lose. If God wants to elevate you, the devil can't take you down. If God wants you dead, Satan can't keep you alive. God has all power. And so God wants the world system to know who is in charge. Now, Nebuchadnezzar does not know God, just like Cyrus didn't know God. God named these men and said, I want to place these men to do great things. And the point I bring up to you today is, even though you don't know God, he's responsible for your blessings and your prosperity and your success, and even though you think you're in charge, you're not in charge. 
Even the oxygen you breathe is not yours. The blood flow through your system is not yours. One touch from him and that blood could just dry right up. The breath could be gone. But we see in chapter 1, he's got to show Nebuchadnezzar now his power. He got these few kids that wouldn't bow or bend, but did a, a firm, committed stand for God. And the Bible says, they said, we will not defile ourselves. We won't do what the king said. No, we can't do that. That's, that's contrary to our law and our commandments. And so the, the, the chamberlain said, okay, I'll do what you say. But if you don't come through, I'm going to lose my head. <laughs> he said, okay, give us 10 days. In 10 days, they became smarter, wiser, more powerful, more intellectual. Now, we know why Daniel was smarter and wiser and more intellectual. Because God was behind him. When God is behind you, you don't have to be qualified. You just have to be glorified by him. And so Daniel was not necessarily qualified, but God elevated him. God made him smarter, wiser, and more intelligent than all the others who did what the world did. And when the king brought these young boys before him, Guess who was smartest? Those that God stood with. Those that God stood beside. They stood head and shoulder above everybody else. That's what happened when kids take a stand for God at school. You won't get B and C. You get A plus. You'll be in the top notch. Because God is the one. It's going to elevate you and open up your cranium and open up your mind and your intelligence and make you survive. I don't care how study you do, I'm going to study you do. You are not going to be the greatest if God is not with it. But God can open your faculty and make you think wise, walk wise, do things that the world can't ignore you. And so the king said, wow, nobody in the kingdom is like these boys. And then next thing we know, they did not defile themselves, didn't do anything contrary to God, and God promoted them. Number two, promotion don't come from the east. It don't come from the west. It don't come from the north or the south. It's God who promotes. It's God who sets up. Hey, and God who takes down. Now, I know people don't believe that, but it's true. I work on a job where the boss think he was in charge, you know, and talked very arrogantly. I saw God humbled him, and they escorted him off the plant side and fired him and took him off there with humiliation. He used to talk very foolish about God. One time he took me before me and the engineers. He went in his pocket like this, trying to insult me, and did this. and said, if there's a God, let him take what he wants from that, and the rest is mine. I, I had to respond and say, no, my God is not a small change God. My God don't want your small change. Arrogant, rude. Amen. But I watched the day when they escort him of the plan site in humiliation and, and, and degradation. Just, I mean, knocked the pride out of him. Brought him so low. In fact, I wasn't even on the job the time I resigned. And my Japanese friend called me and said, Neil, you won't believe what happened. So what happened? They said they fired so-and-so. And they scored him off the plant side. They took him off the ground. And I thought, uh-oh, Mr. Thought, 
he was the answer for everybody. He wasn't. Humanated. Well, here's the king. The king right here. The Bible said chapter 2. He built, amen, uh, amen in chapter 3 rather, and said, I want, no, chapter 2 says, chapter 2, I want, I want you to worship this image. Now, guess what? Everybody is bowing, but God's people are not going to bow. Astrologers and the dreamers cannot tell the dream. They can't tell what he just dreamt, and they are bowing, and here's some people say, we're not going to bow. We will not bow. Everything we do is of God. And in chapter 2, only Daniel could have explained the dream. In chapter 3, only Shadrach, Meshach, and go could come out of the fire and not be burned. And so in every case, God is trying to prove that when I'm with my people, no matter how few there be, they are mightier than the armies of Babylon. Now, God's trying to teach the king who's in charge. But the king didn't learn from chapter 1, didn't learn from chapter 2, didn't learn from chapter 3, now come chapter 4. In chapter 4, one day he walked in his palace and he's strutting and looked around and, and began to brag. Look at the kingdom that I built. Look at my palace. Look at my glory. Now church, prior to this, he had a dream. And Daniel was the only guy who could tell him what the dream meant and said, King, you're in for trouble. God is giving you a forewarning that if you don't humble yourself on the mighty hand of God and repent of your ways, you're about to have calamity. And so the king said, Well, oh, that sounds pretty good. And gave him a little prize for giving the interpreter of the dream. But he quickly forgot. Twelve months later, he fell victim to a prophetic word. It's amazing. No matter how much help God gave Nebuchadnezzar, he never caught on who is in charge. Chapter 1, he never learned from the boys. Chapter 2, he never learned from Daniel telling the vision. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Mishra, and Abednego, it didn't speak to him at all. And now Daniel told him, I saw the interpretation. It says, you're going to walk around strutting, bragging, boasting about your palace and your dynasty and what you possess and what you don't, what you do have and so on, and you're going to offend God. Because you're not giving glory to the one who raised you up. And so while he's bragging in his palace, a voice came from heaven and says, Cut him down! Hallelujah. Immediately, the Bible says, God gave him the heart of a beast. Now that's contrary to what God did to Saul. Saul, who was humble, in his own eyes and small, God made him king. And gave him a new heart and new spirit and elevated him to the throne. Because in his own eyes, he was what? Little and small in his own eyes. And God gave him a heart of a king. God raised him up and put him in the throne he doesn't belong to. Give him glory and honor. But here's the flip side. This man that God raised up made him the 
king of the world. He walked to the palace and bragged on his own sword, his own glory, his own strength, his own might, and forgot that there is a God. And God said, chop that tree down. And the Bible says he went on all fours. We said today he lost his mind. They drove him out of the palace. Amen. And God told him, for seven years, you are not going to sit on that throne. You're not going to gloat anymore. But you're going to become the basest of the base. And everybody that saw your pump and pride are going to see you humiliated. And the Bible said God took from him the kingdom, his wealth, his honor, blew his mind, took away his friends, and he began to act in poverty, act like the animal, amen. He's bankrupt, he's nothing, he's powerless, he's worthless, he's useless, nobody wants to know him. Everything was taken and he's forsaken, he's rejected, and all of a sudden, where's the glory of the king of Babylon? God said, that's how I'm going to leave you until you recognize where the blessing came from. Until you realize where the wealth that you had, where it came from. Until you realize the honor and the might that you enjoyed was not by your own mind or by your own strength, but was a divine gift from God. Hallelujah. And now God says, cut him down, but don't destroy him. Give him time to discover what he lost. The friends, the family, the abasement is going through. The put down, the humiliation, the show is gone. The cut down. And God said, I give him a time limit to repent. Cut him down, reduce him to loneliness, reduce him to nothingness. Let everything that he had be forgotten. He forgot he was wealthy. He forgot he had the glory and the honor. It's all gone. Never will return. His source of health is gone. His source of his glory has been taken from him. His wealth disappeared. His friends are gone. The pride is no longer there. He's down there on all four. He's begging. He's a beggar. Because the watcher from heaven says, you have gone too far. And I'm going to show you who the boss is. You're not the boss. I am the boss. What you have, you didn't build it. I gave it to you. What you put on to where I provided it. What you enjoy was from me. But you didn't give me the glory. You glorified pagans and idols. You glorified other things beside the one that really placed you where you are. And now you must learn in your animalistic experience with a spiritual awakening that the heavens rule. The earth is not in control. What is your life? It's like a vapor. It's me that elevates and I that take down. It's me that shut you in or shut you out. 
Without me, you can do nothing. You are broke. You are empty. I will reduce you down to nothing. Zero. Make you a beggar like an animal. The dog eating the crumbs. He went less than that. He was eating grass. Amen. And God says, I want you to one day confess that you're nothing. But everything you got came from me. I gave it all. And Nebuchadnezzar, they're going to drive you from humanity. Drive you from civility. The glory has departed. The abundance is gone. Pride has abated. And no longer can you brag on what you have because everything you have will be taken from you. I'm going to reduce you down to zero. <laughs> Hallelujah. Zero! Until you get a revelation. The heavens rule. By my word, kings reign. And by my word, kings are demoted. Praise God. And Nebuchadnezzar, for seven long years, he could not enter in his own palace. You know, God of a way of humbling proud people. Sorry. God of a way of people that are proud and haughty and arrogant. God knows how to humble you. Here's Pharaoh. Who is the law that I should honor him? Read the next verse. For this cause raise I thee up. I talked to a lady a while ago yesterday. She's working with addiction recovery. The Lord put in her heart to do it. And she has need to help speak with addiction. And she's been praying to God. She said, God, I, I need help. I need some help. Show me what to do, what to do. And so, get a phone call from a lady. Says, I'll match every dollar you spend on this program to a maximum of $59,000. I won't go past that. If you can raise $59,000, I'll match it. <laughs> God opened the door, and so somebody else began to give 11000 and more and more. And she was happily able to say, I raised that much. The person wrote her a check, 59000 59000 Let me tell you, beloved, when you live for God, it pays. Salvation pays. Sin reverses what blessing gives. Amen. And she's telling me more and more and more. And she's saving for a million dollars. I said, look, it's not a problem for God. Because nobody's saying no to God. Pharaoh said, who is God that I should listen to him? And God says, I will teach Pharaoh that he's not in charge. I'll teach Pharaoh that he's not a God, but I am God. Hallelujah. After ten lessons of plagues, I hear Pharaoh's crying to Moses. 
You all pray for me also. Hello? Somewhere, man is going to bow and realize you're not God. But there's a God that reigns over the fears of people. God set the boundaries and God removed the boundaries. God sent the blessings and he also sent the curses. God elevates and God demotes. Amen. And Pharaoh was drowned because Pharaoh never found the place of humility. He never found the place where he could admit, I am not God. I'm not the author of my own decisions. Amen. Amen. i got to replace pride with praise to the king. That's what Babylon the king did. He removed his pride and began to praise almighty God. And so the boss know that Pharaoh got drowned. Because he never realized that the glory came from God. I look at King Saul. Saul was another man that gave you another lesson to look at. God raised up Saul. When Saul talked about himself, he's inferior. He's everything that's small. And God made him large. Then when he got large, he got lifted up. And forgot the hand that fed him. The hand that made him. And began to disrespect Samuel. And God said, I am sorry that I blessed him. I'm sorry that I promoted him. I'm going to withdraw my blessing off his life. And the Bible says an evil spirit took over. When God backed out of your life and said, you are on your own. Go ahead. Succeed like you were before. Go ahead. Get all the friends you had before. Do all the great things. Because when I'm not in it, you are bankrupt. You know how Saul died? Suicide. In the lap of a witch. Because he didn't realize obedience was better than what? Sacrifice. God said, well, you know the heavens rule. I sat in a meeting this week. And a man said the government are passing laws that are very aggressive against the church. What are we going to do? And I thought to my God. Pastor, what on earth are you doing? I said, my, I jump for joy when I hear they pass these laws. Because you know what God told me? It takes him less than one second to wipe out every law the Supreme Court make. You know how he does it? Let's go into Sodom. Sodom was proud, haughty, full of pride, abundance of bread. I mean, just blessed. Full, you know, in the, the more money they have, the more arrogant they become. The more, the more blessing they have, the more godless they become. And they carry on, and they, they, they rebuke Lot, and God said, look what I can do in one moment. In one second, God overthrew Sodom. And let them know, you may, you may haggle with Lot, but you can haggle with me. Because the heavens were opened up and it wasn't blessing coming down. It was fire and brimstone. I'm trying to tell you, church, God can reverse your wealth. God can reverse your health. God can reverse what you have in a moment. In a moment. 
The only wise king I see in the Bible is David who realized he owed nothing. Amen. God says, in a moment I can teach that country who is in charge. Let's worship God. Arrogant. Arrogant. Amen. God says, I will not restore your abundance. I will not restore the blessing. I will not restore your mind, your soberness. I will not restore your wealth and your health until you recognize who is in control. Who control the life? Who can shape the life of the king? Amen. And God lets know that Babylon fell. Nebuchadnezzar fell because his son rose up. Chapter 5, his son rose up. And the Bible says his son knew everything that his dad went through, but did not, what? Humbled himself on the mighty hand of God. I've seen arrogance all the time. Every arrogant spirit I see, God, God resists the what? God resists the what? God resists the what? The proud. And he exalt the humble. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. I see it happen over and over. There's a guy about to call you, Zion. Bible says he was marvelously helped. Marvelously helped. Everything he touched, God made it to work. Everything he desired, God gave it to him. Even though he's not living for God. God's doing it for him. Hoping that he would understand I'm in charge. And the goodness of God should lead a man to what? Repentance. The kindness of God should lead a man to what? Righteous living. But the Bible says when he was strong his heart got lifted up. Amen. And then he began to cross some boundaries. And when he crossed those boundaries, some priest couldn't even stop him. He said, I am king. I can do whatever I feel like. And he walked right in there. And the Bible said, God smote him with leprosy. But the point I want to make to you is the fame and the fortune of Uzziah did not come from his own skill and ingenuity. It says he was marvelously helped. David knew my help cometh from God. The thing that I have, my friends don't know it. My neighbors don't know it. But it's a blessing from the Lord. Well, you're rich. Yes, because the blessing of God made you rich. That house you got, that trailer you got, that job you got, that strength you got, it came from heaven. It's not your own muscles and strength that did. It's God. And you've got to realize that heaven is ruling in my life. That's why we pray, God, thy will be done in my home as in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise God. You folks don't know this, but the reason why leprosy hit a man called Naaman. If you read back of the book, the same thing happened all throughout the scripture. Now, I feel sorry for these world leaders because they're passing laws that are 
contradictory to God. And they're acting in your eyes and mine like there's no God, like they're in charge. They're not in charge. They don't control the weather. Huh? They don't control human life. They don't control the laws of gravity. They can't control the weather. God controls it. They can wish summer all they want to. God can send wind if he wants to. When he's ready. Amen. Not the environmentalist. Not the protesters. Not the jihadists. God is in control. Now, Naaman, God used him as an instrument of uh, a plowing rod to, to root of some nations. But Naaman won every battle he fought. Every battle he fought, he won. Not realizing behind him was the invisible hand of God. That he became a mighty captain. But he became arrogant. You hear me? Proud. Unthankful. And God says, it's time to humble him. And God let leprosy hit him. Now, leprosy one of the worst feared disease in the Bible. When you have leprosy, you know what you want to do? Run and go hide. Your family forsake you. Everybody forsake you. He's great. He's powerful. But he's a leper. It's an incurable disease. Praise God. Now, what did God do to, 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 to Naaman? He wanted to teach Naaman a lesson. Naaman, you need to know the things that you have and hold dear to your heart, they're not yours. I gave them to you. But it's time that you have an encounter with me, God, to know that I'm the one that put you where you are. I'm the one that raised you up. I'm the one that set you on the throne. I'm the one that gave you the victories you have. I'm the one that gave you the wealth and the position <coughs> and the recognition. So I want you to meet me. Hello? How you going to do it? God knows in stress and distress, you're going to need the behavior of rest to help you. Amen. In your crisis, you're going to see Christ. Because if you don't, you're going to die lost. God said, if you think you're not sick, then you don't need a physician. But if you know you're sick, and you got a problem, you're going to need somebody bigger and better than you. Praise God. Because your friends are gone, the money is gone, the health is gone, the wealth is gone, the fame is gone, everything is gone, and all that's left is the breath of life in you, and that could be gone too. You need a friend. That's not a friend in human flesh. You can be Almighty God. You have to get down to a place where you bow your knees and cry to God, say, Lord, against the old, the old God of our sin. I mean, God brought Nebuchadnezzar down on his knees. He was down. Out there, and I say, You ain't gonna up out to you, confess who I am. Neiman, you're gonna die, a leper. The more proud, pride you have, the more you're gonna lose your soul. Bow or drop out of existence. God gave him seven years to find them. 
And if he doesn't change, he's finished. I don't know how much years God gives you to come to your senses. But I know one thing, the prodigal boy came to your senses pretty quick. That cocky heart of spirit he had finished up the pigsty. He was down all four. That's when he realized he came to his senses. I'm a nobody. I'm not fit for any good. I need higher power than me. The heavens rule. Only when he found repentance was he re-entered into the former blessings he had. Only after King Nebuchadnezzar humbled himself and began to confess his dependence on an un invisible God, then God bring back his senses to him. Hallelujah. And his mind came back and his heart came back. His palace came back. His riches came back. Let me tell you something, friend. Some of us just made in by the skin of our teeth in the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Nehemiah said, oh, oh I'm not going to go to that old dirty old stinking old water to, to get dipped. Not me. God said, that's why I'm taking you there. <laughs> if you want to be healed, you got to do what I say. You're going to die a leper, boy. You want to argue about leprosy? Go ahead. But friend, if you want to be healed, go down there. Well, what I got is better than what they got. No, friend. This ain't an ordinary religion. This is true salvation. This ain't an ordinary church. Maybe you plant religion and got, got by with it, but this ain't an ordinary religion. This is the real thing you're dealing with. You're talking about the real living God who can respond to your arrogance and your spirit. Well, I ain't going. I say, okay, you can die a leper. I will not talk to you to get on your knees and kiss my shoes, Jesus says. Hello. Every knee show what? You're gonna you're gonna bow. Well, I'm not gonna bow. You're gonna die lost. Well, so it's okay. Well, does he know who I am? I'm talk to you either because you don't count. You're nobody. Go dip. You're a leper. You need healing. Friend, dip one. You know you look very stupid. Two. Three. Can you imagine the newspaper? Captain Naaman. Dipping old. Not buddy. Muddy Jordan. <laughs> Where all the bugs are. But God was humiliating him. But the seventh time he came up. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He realized your God must not be played with. Your God is the real God. It's the ordinary religion. This is the true church. This ain't no, amen, some foggy preaching. It's real preaching. It got the job done. I'm healed. He said, oh. I know there's no God in Syria like this God. That's what Babylon the king said too. There's no God in Babylon like this God. Let me tell you, friend, you may, you, you know, they may, they may bound Paul and, and tie Paul up, but Paul says, you forgot one thing, the word is not bound. There's someone in this building. God says, your pride and your high-mindedness 
will keep you small. And your self-importance and lack of spiritual abasement will keep you from rising up the top of the ladder. Seven years I got to wait to come to my senses. Ten plagues to bring him to his dunce, his sense that you can't fight God. Think about it. He humbled him, then he humiliated him, and then he honored him. Let's stand. Nebuchadnezzar, give us a testimony service. I want you to know, no man can, you should read the story for yourself. No man can resist this God. He sets up and he takes down. And he can abase the proud and he can lift up the humble. Amen. But when he humbled himself after being humiliated, then God honored him with a recovery. Hallelujah. But here's the sad part. His son, his son did not learn the lesson. The Bible said his son. Come here, young man. Come here. Come here. Use the vessel of the Lord. Use the vessel of the Lord. And to you is just a kid. But God says, such is the kingdom of God. To just a kid. If you abuse one of these little ones that believe on me, Jesus says, he says, better you were not born. It's better a millstone was tied around your neck and you were sunken like Al Capone would do his men that he fought with. And they put him in a concrete coffin. God said, you'd be better off at the bottom of the sea than to you misuse and abuse one of these that believe on me. On me. Brother Beaton, come up here. Bring your wife with you. That's how much God feels about the way we treat what belongs to him. Revitin, center here, please. If you don't mind, I'll use it for example. In the Bible, God calls you a weak, curved vessel. Understand? I don't know what got in the Belteshazzar, but he began to take that vessel of God and abused it. Sir, let me call the Belteshazzar for a minute here. Begin to abuse this vessel. The party was okay until you turned to the vessel. And begin to abuse it. Once you start abusing God's vessel, you're in trouble. If you're just if you're a spiritual man and she's spiritual, your prayer might as well quit praying and stop praying because it won't pass the roof. You know that if you abuse her. Much more, a heathen king grab the vessel of God and begin to abuse it. And God said, "Just a minute, you're going too far." You've touched what I died for. You touched what I live for. What I give everything up for. He said, now, mm, 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 
start writing on the wall. Alone. And he, he can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> Things are happening in my life. Woo! The party's over. Woo! Look at that. Woo! What does that mean? I don't know what it means. Well, you get a man of God, he'll tell you. Man of God came and said, look, let me tell you what it means, sir. The Spirit of God says, you have gone too far. When you touch that vessel, you touch me. And tonight, I'm going to take away everything you've got. Your kingdom, your, your glory, your honor. And that same night, God killed him. And all he did was abuse the vessel that belongs to God. The world are passing some laws. It doesn't bother God until they start attacking the church. When you start talking about the church as if it's just a rag, when you start criticizing, you're blaspheming. That's what you're doing. You know, blasphemy is it's one of the worst sin there is in the world. When you start speaking against the kingdom of God, you, now you're touching God now. And God said, when you touch my kingdom, you're touching me. He's going to get involved. Hello? And our words passed some laws. And now they said, we're going to attack the church. That's the last Sebastian. When they touch that, then God's going to show up. Then God's going to do some stuff around here. Amen. And bring this world to a zero. Their arrogance will be gone. Read the 13th chapter of, of Isaiah. You talk about the arrogance of our world will be brought low. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was smart. His pride was replaced with praise. His high-mindedness with humility. His self-importance was abased. And when he humbled himself, and humiliated himself before God in repentance. Then God recovered him. Nobody have lost everything and can't replace it. If they could find repentance. If they could find humility. And bring themselves to the place. But his senses came back. Like a prodigal son, his senses came back. And began to humble himself. And the father says, come home as if he didn't lose anything. Would you bow your heads right now? And whatever.